Welcome to the Birmingham Bible Conference hosted by Glen Iris Baptist Church. We extend an invitation to you to come visit us at 1137 10th Place South in Birmingham. The Monday through Wednesday AM service begins at 11 or you can join us at noon each day for the delayed broadcast of the morning service. The evening service begins at 7 p.m., or you can join us for the live broadcast each evening. Returning for this year's Birmingham Bible Conference is Dr. Brian Green from London, England, where he has pastored the Calvary Baptist Church for over 50 years. Dr. Green is a gifted preacher and teacher of the Word of God, speaking in many conferences as well as the director of the annual Highly Bible Conference held in Hertfordshire, England. We trust you will find help and encouragement from God's Word today as we now join the Glen Iris Baptist Congregation for the Birmingham Bible Conference. Here, the lunch hour is possible because some might be able to include that in their day. And we would encourage you to make uh, avail yourself to that. And then uh, each night, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday at 7 o'clock, we're expecting great things. And uh, Dr. Green, welcome and come and speak to us this morning. Well, thank you very much for the welcome. Uh, Indeed, uh, it's a pleasure to be here today and uh, to share with you in this conference Uh, We always look forward to coming to your church and uh, always enjoy the fellowship that we enjoy here. So thank you very much for the invitation and thank you also for the warm warm welcome that we've received. Uh, We, of course, as been indicated, intended to come before, but the Lord decided otherwise. Uh, But I must admit that I would not want uh, the reason, the the Lord to do that again to me. Uh, and uh, there's a clothes basket in my in my home that has got to go because that's what caused all the pain and the trouble uh, that I went through. But I'm glad to be here and I want to share with you the Word of God as the Lord gives it to me. And I want you to turn with me, if you will, please, to Psalm 118. Psalm 118. Aren't the Psalms lovely and wonderful? I think any person who is a Christian loves the Psalms and you read Psalms and you you almost say listen I could have written that Uh, we could not have written it so well perhaps or I couldn't anyway but nevertheless when you read the Psalms you really feel you can put yourself right in the centre of it and it's something that really blesses your heart and soul somehow we think of some of the great men and women of old especially those who wrote the Psalms as special people. They were special people, but they were ordinary people, weren't they? With faults and failures, going through troubles and trials and difficulties, just like we go through. May have been a different time, maybe in a different uh, uh, country and uh, nation, but somehow what happened to them, we know all about it, don't we? We really do. And that's why the Psalms are so, so wonderful. And this is one of the choice Psalms. And uh, I'm going to read it to you first of all because... It's such a lovely psalm. So, Psalm 118. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, because his mercy endureth forever. Let Israel now say that his mercy endureth forever. Let the house of Aaron now say that his mercy endureth forever. 
Let them now that fear the Lord say that his mercy endureth forever. I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do unto me. The Lord taketh my part with them that help me. Therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. It is better to put to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. All nations compass me about, but in the name of the Lord will I destroy them. They compass me about, yea, they compass me about, but in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. They compass me about like bees, they are quenched in the fire of thorns. For in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. Thou hast a thrust sore at me, uh, that I might fall. But the Lord helped me. The Lord is uh, my strength and my song, and has become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacle of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord doth doeth valiantly. I shall not die, but live, and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord hath chastened me sore, but he hath not given me over unto death. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go into them, and I will praise the Lord. This gate of the Lord, which into which the righteous shall enter, I will praise thee, for thou hast heard me, and art become my salvation. The stone which the builders refused has become the headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvellous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I beseech you, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of, uh, of the Lord. God is the Lord which has showed us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords, even unto the horns of the altar. Thou art my God, I will praise thee. Thou art my God, I will exalt thee. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endureth forever. May the Lord be pleased to bless the public reading of his word. Sometimes we fail to read the word of God uh, in public, but we're not ashamed of it, are we? And we believe in the word of God, and therefore we read it with gladness, unashamedly. I want to try, just if I can, to speak to you from the first verse of this psalm. It's a very simple verse, isn't it, which you can see, and really it's just the first part. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth for ever. Uh, this psalm is a psalm which you can almost speak about every verse, and I'm tempted sometimes to do that sort of thing. But you could. You go through every verse by itself, and you'll see that every verse has, is a gem, and every verse has so very much in it. Let me, if I can, begin to speak to you about this verse that I want to consider very briefly with you today uh, by saying that this is an orphan psalm. The first thing that I look at when I'm reading a psalm or perhaps studying a psalm is who wrote this psalm? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us who actually wrote this psalm, does it? There are over 50 psalms, 55 of it, which are orphan psalms. 
Many of them seem as if it was David, and as some preacher in the past has said, they almost smell like David. Well, they do, don't they? And you have to say, well, probably it was David anyway. And it seems to me that it could have been, although I'm not sure that it really was. And then the second thing that you look <coughs> look at with the inscription at the front, and I believe those inscriptions, by the way, are inspired. And when you come to the second part of an inscription, it usually tells you in some way or other just when it was written. In other words, it gives you a situation that the psalmist was in when he wrote those words. That's very helpful, isn't it? so that you can put yourself into his situation and say, yes, now I understand it a little more. But there's no, uh, no situation that is actually marked concerning this uh, lovely psalm. Now, someone has said that probably this psalm was after the exile. In the, verse, in the main service this morning, I'm going to speak about a verse which uh, speaks about the, uh, about the exile that happened to, first of all, Israel, and then also to Judah after them. And you'll remember that they came back again after that, didn't they? A fulfillment of the promise of God and the prophecy that was given by Jeremiah that the people would come back to their land. Now, when that group of people came back, could you imagine the joy and the rejoicing and the wonder of it all as they're going back to their land? These people, probably most all of them, had not been there before because it was 70 years, wasn't it, that they were in captivity and uh, they had to be very young when they went into captivity to be still alive to go back with a group of people. So uh, there were very few of them and probably very few indeed. And so you can imagine that the parents had told them all about this land and told them how wonderful it was. It was a land that flowed with milk and honey and some of the great stories of the past of how it was subdued and all the kings and so on and, and how mightily the Lord had blessed it. Nostalgia, we call it, don't we? But, of course, it was more than that in a biblical sense. This was spiritual perception. And so the people come back again I believe that this psalm was written after that. So they came back to Jerusalem, they came back to the land which they had heard so much, and they knew that it was true. And so what did they say? They said, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Now that fits in, doesn't it? And it does seem to me that it really was exactly like that. Let me try, if I can, to prove that a little bit further. Turn with me to the book of Ezra. You will know, of course, that the book of Ezra tells us a little bit about uh, what happened. In fact, Ezra is the book that records uh, the exiles coming back. So if you turn to chapter 3 and verse 10 and 11, and bear in mind the verse that we have selected just as our study this morning. So uh, verses 10 and 11. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, remember that is spoken of in the book of Haggai as well, uh, and uh, you'll know that they came and they for, for 16 years they had laid the foundation, but they neglected it. Uh, but this is when they actually began. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they set the priests in their apparel with trumpets, and the, and the Levites, the sons, the sons of Asaph, with symbols, to praise the Lord after the ordinance of David, king of Israel. 
here it is, and they sang together by course in praising and thanks, giving thanks unto the Lord, because he is good, and his mercy endureth forever towards Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Now you bear in mind what we've read. You go back now again with me to the psalm. What was the first verse? Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for his mercy endureth, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. It's exactly the same, isn't it? It really is. Now, let me say to you that some of the great men which we exalt today uh, have said how this verse has been a favourite verse for them. Martin Luther, who I certainly uh, reckon was one of the great men of the Reformation uh, in, in Europe. And Martin Luther said, he said, this is my favourite psalm. It's my psalm. How many times have this psalm helped me in difficult situations? It's my friend. And I think that's true. Because many of us here today, when you look at this psalm, this really fits in with our situation, doesn't it? How many times has the Lord helped you? We look back over the last couple of days, just coming over here. And um, although these days with modern transport, it's much easier and much simpler to come to America. Yet, of course, it has its difficulties. And when you get older, it has many difficulties. But I'll tell you what, we have to thank the Lord. And we do thank the Lord. We would say, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever because of the way that he helped. And people were there exactly at the right time and helped us in one way and helped us in another. We thought, where on earth does these people come from? I'll tell you, the Lord. And the Lord does it, doesn't he? And each one of us has something we could say about that, and we mean it ourselves. Let me tell you a little bit more about this. I'm sorry that this introduction is longer, but it's important to give you a background of this psalm, because then when you read it, you say, now I see that, now I see that, now I see that. And that's what I'm really trying to do. This is the last of the Hallel Psalms. Now, the Hallel Psalms were sung always at Pentecost. And, and they begin with Psalm 113, and they go right on to the end of 118. So it's the last. Now, what significance has that? Well, it seems to me that it has great significance, because Psalm 118 was always sung at the close of Passover. It was the last one that was sung by the people gathered together. After that, they would uh, uh, disperse. So, after the feast was over, they would disperse. Now, do you remember what, what it says about the Lord? Remember how he, with his disciples in the upper room, they had, of course, the feast of the Passover, didn't they? There were two feasts or two meetings, two times there uh, that it records. But the Passover was the most important. Now, let me turn you to scripture. It's in two scriptures, but we'll just look at one. So we'll look at Matthew's Gospel and the, uh, chapter 26. Matthew 26 and verse 30, I do believe, I hope. Yes, it is, I think. All right. Matthew 26 and verse 30. And when they had sung an hymn, the word hymn in the Greek is the word psalm. So you can imagine they sang a psalm. Which psalm did they sing? 118. Because it was the last of the Hallel Psalms, you see. And they sang a, a, a psalm and they went out to Mount of Olives. 
Then said Jesus unto them, All shall be offended because of me uh, this night. Now you know the story, you know what it is. And, and when you consider this and you look at that lovely picture, we emphasize, of course, the Passover feast, and so we should. But the last, at last, they sing a psalm. Which psalm they sing? Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. The Lord sang those words. And in singing those words, he's going to the cross, isn't he? He's going to suffer, he's going to die, he's going into Gethsemane. He's going to sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. And yet he sings, the Lord is good. The Lord is good. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Now, another thing about the introduction to this psalm is that it's a messianic psalm. Very often we speak about psalms being concerning Christ. Well, this is a psalm concerning Christ. It's a messianic psalm. And if you look quickly down it, you'll see in verse 10, All nations compass me about, but in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. They compass me about, but in the name of the Lord will I destroy them. This is the Lord speaking. This is the Messiah. This is the wonder-working power of the great God. And there's another verse here as well, which uh, it seems to me that very often we, we don't fully understand what it means. But it's mentioned here, and again, you, you'll see that it's mentioned in the New Testament. And uh, you'll, you'll know it's mentioned in Peter and, and, other, and other places as well. But verse 22, the stone which the builders refused has become the headstone of the corner. And when you look at that, you say, well, what does that really mean? Remember that the temple, that's the temple which Solomon built. It's not Solomon's temple. Never in Scripture is it inscribed as Solomon's temple. It's always the temple of the Lord. But Solomon built it, didn't he? And Solomon built the temple. And where did he build? Well, they crafted the stone outside of the actual temple. Why? Because the temple was built in complete silence. They then carried the stone. And if you think about the huge stones it really was. And stone, they brought it to the actual place of the building. And they, built, they, they brought this stone to the building. And, and suddenly they came across, and every stone was exactly the same square, uh, square stones and so on. And they would build all these up. And then, then they came to one stone, which was a very odd stone, a different, a different shape altogether. They thought, what on earth is this? they rejected it, put that stone aside let's carry on building with this and so that stone was put aside the stone which was rejected by the builders you see and you look at the Lord and of course he was a stone that was rejected by the builders rejected by the world which despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief you know the background of all that but then they came to the end and suddenly they get to a point whereby there's a stone missing and what what, where's this stone? This stone, we haven't seen. Yes, we have. There's the stone. So the stone that the, the builders rejected, that now has, has been fitted in. And it becomes one complete temple. You and I are never complete, are we, without Christ? We need Christ. We need him as the foundation. We need him as the headstone as well. And we understand exactly what that means. I haven't gone into that fully, but I'm, I'm just really giving it to you, just as a little, another little gem out of this particular psalm. It's a messianic psalm, isn't it? And then, one last thing. This is what we call an envelope psalm. I hope you understand my English, but what it means is this, that there's a beginning and an ending, and, and if you like, it's, it's almost the, the book uh, holders, or, or whatever you may call them. 
Now let me show you what I mean. The first verse and the last verse are exactly the same. That's what it means, you see. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for his, for his good, for his mercy endureth forever. Verse 29. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. So what happens is he begins with this great exhortation of the Lord, an affirmation before God, and then he comes back to it again. Listen, once I've said it all, listen, I say it again, because there's nothing better and nothing greater to say than actually this. And so this morning I'm speaking to you about this. Thanks. Just the word thanks. Why am I doing that? There's nothing greater than that, to give thanks unto the Lord. Why? Because he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Probably if you look at, again, the verses that I spoke to you or, or referred you to in, uh, in Ezra, you will see that it speaks about the courses of the priests. It speaks about the choir singing it in parts. What it really means is the choir was divided and they would sing it like this, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord! And then the other section would say, For he is good! And all together they would sing, For his mercy endureth forever. So you see, it's a choir piece. And you and I can sing just like that as well, because it really means something to each one of us. Now let me, if I can, just speak to you a little bit about this first verse so that, once again, we understand it fully. And I'm only really giving you just a, a, little, a little bit of it. Uh, but you can fill it in yourself and it can be a blessing to your soul as you meditate upon it. I'll, I'll pick out three, three words, if you like, just so that we can understand it. First of all, the word thanks. That's the subject that we're speaking of here. And it also is really the, the subject of the whole of, of the psalm, thanks. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Someone has said that giving thanks is the highest form of worship for the redeemed soul. I think that's right. Have you given thanks this morning? Oh, we've prayed for things, haven't we? We've prayed for blessing. We've prayed for other people. We've prayed that the Lord will help us. We've prayed. Have you given thanks this morning? Have you given thanks? Now notice what it says here. First of all, uh, we, we see the person. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. That word Lord, of course, you can see there, is in small capital letters. When it's in small capital letters, it is always the word Jehovah. And of course, the title of Jehovah was very special uh, to the Jews. It was the title of relationship. Jehovah and his sons and daughters, Jehovah and his people, the people of Israel, the people of Judah. And so therefore it's a title of relationship. But it's more than that, of course, it's the title of covenant. That's a stronger word, isn't it? Because the word really means just promise. Well, it's almost that and more. He's the promising God, isn't he? He's not only the providing God, yes, he is the providing God. He's the El Shaddai, isn't he? And we rejoice in that. But here, here's Jehovah, the high title of Jehovah. The Jews never would say Jehovah, would they? Jah, they would say. Why? Because this title was so reverent in their, on their lips. They dare not. Today we don't care, do we? Uh, you turn on your television and they blaspheme almost every other word. And, and, and you know that it happens co constantly and continually. And yet as far as the Jew is concerned, they wouldn't even uh, uh, pronounce or say the whole of the word 
But it's a wonderful thing, isn't it? So he, here the psalmist says, I'll give thanks unto Jehovah. Let me say these things to you. First of all, he deserves our praise, doesn't he? Or if anyone ever deserved praise in my life and in your life, it's the Lord, the Lord of heaven and earth, our great God, our saviour, our friend. He deserves it. And then the second thing is, wonder of all wonder, he desires our thanksgiving. Can God in heaven, God above, actually desire my praise? Oh yes, he does, my friend. Brother or sister, whoever you are, the Lord loves to hear it. He desires it. And this morning as you sing the hymns, you're not singing to yourself. You're not singing how good you are. You're not singing to the ceiling. You're not singing to the wall. You're singing to the Lord. You're joining heaven itself. And the Lord loves it. He desires it. And then another thing, he expects it. Oh, he expects it from you. How we let him down, don't we? How often are we forgetful that we don't give thanks unto the Lord as we, so, as we should. And then one other thing as well, the Lord is pleased with our thanksgiving. Can he really be pleased with anything I do? With my sinful thoughts, with my sinful actions, with what I do wrong? How is the Lord really pleased with something I do? Yes, when I say, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. The Lord is pleased with that. And so this morning, will you please the Lord with me? My mother was a good Christian woman. And when she came in her 80s and soon to die, people used to do lots and lots of things for her. And she never, ever stopped thanking people. Sometime as a boy, I used to think, listen, that's a bit over the top. You know, because she thanked you for everything. You'd pick something up, oh, thank you, well, thank you, thank you. But now looking back, I, I can see, I can see what, what, what she meant and what it was all about. But what about the Lord? The Lord's given me strength to come here this way. Thank you, Lord. The Lord's helped me in, in my life. Thank you, Lord. Some particular thing. Thank you, Lord. You understand what I mean, and I know that. Someone has said this, and I thought it worth saying. It's a sad day for an atheist when he feels grateful and he's got nobody to thank. <laughs> it's right, though, isn't it? It is. And yet we have the Lord, Jehovah. So you see the person, and then you see the subject. What is the subject? For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. His undoubted goodness, and then his unfailing mercy. Nothing greater outside of heaven than those two. He is good, mercy endureth forever. And then the surprise. What do I mean by surprise here? Well, I'll tell you what I mean by the surprise. These people had been in captivity. Most of them, if not all of them, had been born into captivity. They had lived and moved and had their being there under Nebuchadnezzar and his son and his son. And they'd been there in Babylon all of this time. And now they come out of it and they come to a foreign land as far as they're concerned. Another land, although it was their land which God had given them. I'm sure they were surprised that they could give thanks in such a manner and in such a way. And maybe it surprised you today. But one thing the Lord wants better than anything else, and that is for you to give thanks unto them. Unto them. Oh, that we may do that. A Christian was anxious in their, in their lives and 
uh, and, uh, and couldn't do anything about this anxiety. Everything they did see somehow was full of anxiety as far as they were concerned, and they literally would shake. And no one had the answer to it. They saw psychiatrists, they saw their doctors and so on, but no one seemed to have a, an answer to them to give them any relief. And then one day they came across a card, and, and, and the card simply said, Try Thanksgiving. And they did. And it worked. Because it does, you see, doesn't it? It really does. We know that. We realize that. But somehow we forget it, don't we? And so therefore this verse is very timely to us all. Now let me go on because I've spoken about thanks. Now we come to the theme. By the way through this psalm, and we haven't time this morning to do this, but you go through it and you will see that the real theme is the mercy of the Lord. You see, it was the mercy of the Lord that brought them back again. After the temple had been destroyed and Jerusalem completely gutted with fire, and after all the troubles that they'd been through and all the difficulties that they had had and the depression that they'd witnessed amongst their parents and the people who were there, uh, you'll remember Psalm 139 describes it all, doesn't it? And how sad it really was as far as they're concerned. And now they come back and they say, this is the mercy of the Lord. And his mercy endureth forever. Have you ever realized that? Even when we sin, even though we fail, even though we are under chastisement, even though things happen to us, forever. Not many things forever in this life, is there? I don't know of anything. Yes, I do. The mercy of the Lord. And even though you may this morning feel a sense of guilt, a sense of sin, the Lord is able to forgive you, cleanse you. Because Why? Because his mercy endureth forever. See, mercy is such a special gift, isn't it? You see, as far as grace is concerned, that gives us things that we never deserved. But when you come to mercy, that delivers us from things we did deserve. And we do deserve the judgment of God, but it's the mercy of the Lord, which helps us, doesn't it? There's no question about that. Micah, in chapter 7 and verse, eight, uh, verse 18, I think, it actually says there, uh, that he delighteth in mercy. God delights in mercy. Oh, I'm glad he does, as far as I'm concerned. And I'm sure you are as well. And, and, and the theme here, it, first of all, it's, it's for the public. L look what it says in verse 2. Let Israel now say for his mercy in Judah forever. That's the whole of, of, of Israel. There weren't any tribes lost. The Bible tells us in, in, in Ezekiel about, 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 about the whole of Israel coming back. And so there were others who came back uh, different ways, but they came back. And now the whole public, let Israel say. And then in verse 3, it's the priest. Let the house of Aaron now say, that his mercy endureth forever. So you have the public, you have the priests, and then you have personal. Verse 4, let them now that fear the Lord say, that his mercy endureth forever. And if you're uh, a person that fears the Lord, you come under that category. Not one of you is missing here. Uh, because every one of us has included that his mercy endureth forever. And so finally you'll see here the word triumph, almost written invisibly, but you'll see what it really means. We've begun with thanksgiving, we've seen the theme, uh, that's he's good and his mercy endures forever, and then you come to the triumph. What triumph? Well, first of all, help. So verse 6 we look at very quickly. 
for the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? Listen, if the Lord is on you, you could say that. If the Lord is on your side, what, what can man do? Nothing, nothing. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's true, isn't it? It must be true. And then we go on because there's so much here. The Lord taketh my part with them that help me. So the Lord's willing just even to help me. Oh, I'm thankful for that. I really am. And some of you here today, I'm sure, are as well. Therefore, shall I see my desire upon them that hate me? It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Why? Because the Lord, he is the one. And then notice how this goes on because we'll, we'll look at verse 10. All nations compass me about, but in the name of the Lord will I destroy them. Verse 11. They compass me about. Yea, they compass me about. But in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. Verse 12. They compass me about like bees. They are quenched as a fire of thorns. For in the name of the Lord will I destroy them. I'm sure you all notice what the recurring phrase is. The name of the Lord. What is the name of the Lord? Or oh, as far as they were concerned, it was Jehovah. As far as we're concerned, it's the name of Jesus, isn't it? And we know the name of Jesus and the power in the name of Jesus. No greater name than that. The great name of, of Jesus. But is that the end? No, it isn't. We look at his hand now. Verse 15. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is, is in the tabernacles of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. Have you ever come across the left hand of God? It's in Scripture once. It's in the book of Job. And in the book of Job, it's a period of chastisement. He's going through the refining period of God. That's the left hand of God. Refinement, chastisement. But the right hand of God is always the hand of power and always the hand of protection, always the hand of provision. So here it is. Verse 15 again. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly the right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. So here it is three times that it's mentioned. So we have the name of the Lord and now we have the hand of the Lord, don't we? So what about these people? These people that we're talking about who have come back. Have they got any chance? We shouldn't use that word. We don't believe in chance, do we? We believe in the sovereignty of God. We believe that he's in charge. And so therefore, in verse 25, we read, Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Listen, this is not prosperity in this life. It's prosperity of the life to come. And it's the prosperity of heaven. It's the prosperity of the blessing of the Lord, which maketh rich, maketh rich, and addeth no sorrow with it. Oh yes, the richness of his grace, the riches of his wonders, the riches of God, who gives to us all things. That's the hope that they've got. So they have help, they have the hand, and they have the hope, as well as the name of the Lord our God. Little wonder at the end of the psalm. What does he say? Let's all read it together. Psalm 118, verse 29. Are you ready? Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. That was a bit poor, you know. I could hardly hear. I know it's that wrong my hearing, but I didn't hear you. Come on, let's give it a go. Verse 29. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. 
Amen. Hallelujah. I thought it was just getting warmed up, didn't you? I love it. And so many wonderful things for us. Is there anyone in the house this morning that does not have something to give thanks to the Lord about it? I want you to just think over this last week, the provisions of the Lord that provided for you moment by moment of every day. Think about that. Think about uh, his watch care over you. You might not have flown from, from England, but it took just as much grace and oversight of our Lord to keep you. I don't know that I wouldn't rather travel on the plane from England than to go down I-65, Brother Green, and 459. To think of all the, the times that your, your, your life was at stake and you didn't even know about it, how the Lord watched and cared for you and brought you to this very hour. Not to mention in our spiritual lives, His grace that taught our hearts to fear and brought us to that place of repentance and faith. Oh, we're blessed people, aren't we? And to have the, the, the Lord's Word. What a precious, precious thing. I was reading again this week about the translators and all that they went through just to get our Bible into the English language. Those who were killed and died at the stake. And then the care and the precision of the translators, how, how carefully they went over it and over it and over it to make sure they got it right. These who could speak... Hebrew and Greek as they could speak their mother tongue. And yet they went over it and over it and over it. And then they let each other uh, go over what they had translated to make sure there was no mistakes over and over and over again for five years. And the Lord has preserved and given his word to us. What a gracious thing that we have this morning. He daily loadeth us with benefits, does he not? The psalmist says, let us ask the Lord's blessing. Now, thank you, Lord, for this portion that you've given to us this morning. We thank you for our dear, the, your dear servant that you've sent our way. May we meditate on these things. And Lord, as we approach the worship hour, of course, this your Lord's day is a day of worship. May we give all of it over to you, but this specific hours that we've set aside for corporate praise and prayer and the reading of the scriptures and the expounding of your word. Oh, may no voice be silent. And when someone is praying, may we lift our, our inner voices with amen and praise the Lord and thank you. And so, it, so may it be. And as we lend our voices together to sing the psalms of praise, oh, Lord, strengthen us. May you inhabit our praises. May we sense your presence in our midst. May we be truly spiritually blessed. Earthly riches will fade and flee, but our spiritual riches will last forever. And this praise that we enjoy will be our choice and our... Uh, our benefit that we'll be able to be involved in throughout eternity. The Lord, prepare our hearts for that and bless us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for another service from the annual Birmingham Bible Conference here at Glen Iris Baptist Church in South Birmingham. If you would like a CD copy of Dr. Green's message, please call us at 205-323-1516. Again, that number is 205-323-1516. Or if you choose to write and request copies of these messages, send your correspondence to Glen Iris Baptist Church, 1137 10th Place South, Birmingham, Alabama, 35205. Again, that address is Glen Iris Baptist Church, 
1137 10th Place South, Birmingham, Alabama, 35205. Thank you for joining us either on WAY-TV Channel 47 or WGIB Radio, the Where God is Blessing Broadcasting Network.